Welcome, welcome to another... The official podcast of The Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. Do you hear that, Ern? The Leaky Cauldron. Just go! You're wasting time! Welcome to Pottercast, your number one audio source for Harry Potter news, theories, discussion, as well as info straight from the makers of the books and films themselves, like me, Matt Lewis. I play Neville Longbottom in the Harry Potter films, and I'm very happy to be here helping introduce your hosts, the Pottercast trio, Melissa, John, and Sue. Still reeling from last week's time-turner conversation, <laughs> we're back with Pottercast number 73. Let's go back in time Welcome. and finish 72. I know, I want to go back and talk about it more. In this show, we have for you lots of fun theory discussion, but first of all, we have to hear from our friends at Borders. Today's Pottercast is brought to you by Borders. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows is coming soon, but when? Click on the Borders banner at the top of Pottercast.com homepage, sign up, and you'll be among the first to learn the release date of the final book in the series. You can also reserve your copy of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows at any Borders store. Find a store near you at borderstores.com. Borderstores.com. March 31st. Yeah. Not March 31st, not August 9th, not, not what? 7707, not 731.07, not December 1st, not October 31st. It could be any of those dates or a different one. Yeah, so we shouldn't say that it's not. We just say we're it's, not well, sure. Well, we, we don't know yet. Yeah. And we'll have more about that later because plenty of you took our blog challenge for serious last week. Uh, it is, once serious? again, time to vote for us at Podcast Alley. But now we Yikes. have a new thing that you can do called Dig. I don't know if you guys are technically te- technology savvy, but there is a site called Dig where people can sort of vote for articles that they like. And and, and the more votes you get, the higher it, it gets ranked. Yes. You can now dig podcasts. So if you like podcasts, you go, you sign up for a little account the same way you did with Podcast Alley, and you, you dig it. So we'll provide that link in the in the notes and we'll be annoying you every week from yeah. now on out yes quick announcement reminder we will be at the phoenix uh, phoenix rising convention in new orleans we'll have a live podcast on may 17th oh yeah you sign up for phoenix rising at the phoenix you will be able to get into that to that live podcast the brian from draco and the malfoys and the whopping willows will be performing live at that event and we will also be presenting two panels over the course of the convention one on fan podcasting and one about fan journalism right that one right the, re- the response to the heckling request has been astronomical <laughs> i'll be organizing the um newsletter for that planning process mm-hmm. shortly so i remind you that any hecklers you gather will be heckling you i'm just giving you a reminder uh, that what they've been writing mm-hmm also, our, our latest issue of Scribulous, our essay section, is now online, number 12. The next topic that we're asking for in our, for our next edition is papers on unfogging Deathly Hallows, but all papers on all subjects are encouraged. Any essay you want to write is encouraged and welcomed, but we're specifically looking for Deathly Hallows topics. You can get to Scribulous, by the way, at scribulous.com. It goes right to our section on leaky. I have a great idea for an essay that I don't think anybody's thought of yet. Oh, no. Well, you think about that. What and if the Deathly really... Hallows are horcruxes? Okay. Sue, can, how about we do your news and you save us from John's <laughs> yeah. unoriginal thoughts? Brilliant thought. I don't know how to follow that. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, we should call this the Potter product edition of the news as we have a whole host of new items to tell you about. TLC was able to get a first look at the many new items being released this year as part of the tie-in with the upcoming Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix film. Things we can expect this year include the following. 
a new Dumbledore's Army logo, which will be used on new items such as binders, books, and much more. New trading cards and stickers, and we saw first looks at the Thestrals, Death Eaters, Ministry of Magic and Fudge, and more. There will be a new Harry Potter DVD scenic game featuring new movie clips and a flex time game board. A talking Dobby doll. There will be Great Hall and Room of Requirement play sets. A Lucius Malfoy mask with, quote, voice-changing features, end quote. Other new items include new dark art desk calendars, sticker, coloring, and guidebooks, stationery, calligraphy sets, snow globes, keychains, bookends, badges, mugs, and much more. Wow. The first wave will launch by early June with the second batch due in September of 2007. Leaky was also able to show you our first look at the new costumes which are being released later this fall, including ones of Mad-Eye Moody, Voldemort, the Death Eaters, and one, um, well, rather intriguing mask of Professor Dumbledore. There was also good news for LEGO fans, as the first of the new Order of the Phoenix sets is now serviced, showing a new rendition of Hogwarts Castle, which is due to be available late August. Cards, Inc. also previewed another action figure this week, this one of Mad-Eye Moody and his very cool broom he uses to fly with the Order. And finally, we also saw a new Malfoy and Dobby dolls as well. Wow. Quite a list of things to look forward to this year indeed. You can click on leakynews.com for much more information and see many of these items in our galleries. Another film-related news now, Warner Brothers has released a high-res photo of Dan Radcliffe as Harry Potter from the upcoming Order of the Phoenix movie. This new photo shows Harry standing beside the Hogwarts Express train. This photo was included as part of a new short preview that ran in the USA Today newspaper recently, where director David Yates is quoted as speaking about things such as the centaurs, the thestrals, and even crop. One quick book note this week to tell you about, as expected, the woman in Georgia has filed an appeal of her previously denied attempts to ban the Harry Potter novels. Laura Mallory is continuing in her attempts to ban the beloved books from school shelves and now claims she has received financial backing to help her on her quest. Uh-huh. Well, for all things Harry Potter, you can always find it at leakynews.com, which is updated continually. You know, I think we should call this this podcast... The product, like, Pottercast goes to FAO Schwartz with all that news <laughs> about products, man. I mean, yeah. lots of new stuff. Holy smoke-a-rollies. I don't need... My favorite, well, my favorite being John's favorite, which is... Oh, yes. <laughs> that thing. That... Oh, my. That... Silence! Check There's out my mask hair. on Ruby's costumes of Dumbledore, and it seems to be the version of the the Michael Gambon Dumbledore, oh. and it seems to be as true to the character as the Michael Gambon <laughs> character is to the books. It's, he's like the Barbie hair, and it's crimped, <gasps> and he looks like he was patched together by blind mice or something. They, oh. <laughs> this is terrible. He looks like a woodwork figure. It's it's bad. Oh, Ruby's. Meanwhile, man. go ahead and go buy it. Yeah, it means I'll go buy it. Well, I mean, oh, but I mean, who wants to braid my hair? It's just so. I, I mean, when you just you click on it, it's one of those things you actually have to see to believe. You yeah. really, you really <laughs> <I> do. <know. laughs> John was laughing hysterically at it last night oh, when, man. and I said, "Wait, wait, wait! I'll go look at it. I'll go look at it." And I, I mean, I couldn't. There's just it. no words to describe the brilliance <laughs> of that latex mask. <laughs> someday I'll be a real headmaster. Yeah, okay. but I, w- I will be wearing it to all of the podcasts. In the pretty area, there is new dolls from Tonner who make really nice Harry Potter mm-hmm. dolls. Sure, sure. Um, there. Well, there's a Malfoy doll. It's nice. Yeah, it's what's well, sort of, sort of. <laughs> it, it looks. You know, there was great discussion over the color of the robes. They're are like an emerald green. They're not 
or I don't know, light green. They aren't quite the, Slytherin-y, traditionally that, green. That right. hunter demon. Right. You know how they always screw up is the Gryffindor colors. They always yeah. make it like this weird purple or something. Purple, right. yeah. And that's you know why? Purple. Because it actually, I actually got an answer on that once because I asked Warner Brothers, what the heck? You know, and they said that it's actually the color that they use in the films that they use for lighting purposes that comes out differently on film. But when you sell them in a store, they look purple. Yeah. You know? That's so crazy. It is. That's so they do have some scarves that are the real red. Oh, they just use a bunch of bright yellow lights in the film? I don't know. Orange I mean, it's possible. I, I, it, it may be an old an old way of doing it that they don't do anymore because they do have those those really nice long scarves now that really were from the film. Yeah. You know what I saw recently that I was I did not was not aware of is that the Noble Collection sells the scarves and the ties. Yes, yes, they do, and we have them in our shop. They have a very nice, very fine quality. Uh, they have very fine quality. Mm-hmm. Nice uh, Gryffindor tie oh, and scarf. Yeah. I also found the coolest thing ever in there that I'd never seen before recently is this is this ring for Slytherin. Uh-huh. It's like it's like got diamonds in it and like white yeah. gold. I'm yeah. like, oh my god. Yeah, they what have that one. Three hundred dollar ring. That, man, yeah. that's that's three hundred dollar ring. Yeah. If I ever you know you know get married, that's what I want you know <laughs> my my wedding band to be. Uh huh. That's what I decided. Oh boy. Okay. When you I'm marry not. Pansy Parkinson. I am not Pansy nothing. No, but well, okay, we do have a little bit of a little bit of movie excitement. We have a new a new picture. Right. Of who? Mr. Dan, Dan Ratcliffe. Oh, Dan. And he's he's that picture at the looks like Express. that picture looked strange to me. Well, but no, but he's wearing a gray hood thing and I don't know if it's it's when he's gone back after the attack at, on Grimmauld Place or something. I don't know, but it just looks like there's a bunch of muggles or it's normal terrible. non-magical folk well, Something around. looks different about him. It, it almost looked like that was like the video game version, like that was like a model or something. It's a very clear, highly right. defined picture. Right. It's really sharp. Yeah. Um, it, but this is definitely when he goes to Hogwarts, because, well, it, c- clearly the Hogwarts Express train is right. there, but we saw the video of him talking with Sirius. He's wearing the same oh, same outfit. Right. And they must be speaking in the in the Muggle stop before he gets on the train yeah. about whether there's going to be a war and, right. you know, and, and all those things. Mm. So, yeah, that is that is his I go to Hogwarts outfit. Mm. <laughs> nice. You know. But it, what is a backwoods giant baby? I I don't know. This that that comment came from Mr. Yates, which when we saw the new picture in the USA Today, and Mr. What Yates made it? these comments, and um, I think he's talking about he's talking about Grop, right? But, he says a back a backwoods giant baby and Hagrid's half brother, meaning Grop. But I guess they're they're talking about like uncultured, right? Un, you know, and he's sort of like a child. You have to look after him, but. It's just a weird turn of phrase. It's just like a backwoods, like, you know, like rural. It's a, it's a colloquial kind of, you know, I don't always use it as a very complimentary or when I hear that, I don't, I don't view that as a complimentary phrase personally, but. Uh. Well, I'm glad that Tony's getting all this press. <laughs> it's He's your brilliant. friend. <laughs> he is. We're, yeah. We're oh. bowling partners. Uh-huh. Right. It's a long trip to all get right. to that alley for me, but I, I. Make it dutifully. I'm um, speaking Tuesday. speaking of non-complimentary things. I can't say one <laughs> non-complimentary thing about this next news item about the woman in Georgia. Uh, I just oh my away. favorite lady in the world. She's like a weeble. She is. 
Miss Mallory oh, wow, is definitely. Wow. I mean, we we knew this was coming. She said she was going to, but she said that now that she has gotten Laura Mallory is going to appeal yet again her decision about trying to get the Potter yeah. books banned. And it's just when I read at that, what point do we re- stop I was recording this? Is she doing that with a straight face now? Is she just like, <laughs> here I go again? Everybody, look over here. I mean, just uh, how can you keep a I straight mean, face with that? But at what point do we stop reporting? Are we just feeding this? Are we just, by, by people reporting, can we just leave her alone already and let her do what she has to do and not care? You know, I actually did they, consider that. I actually weighed that very, I, I mean, I had that conversation with myself. I mean, do we not, you know, but. Actually, you know what? Yeah. I heard that there's actually a lot of response to this. Um, I talked to my good friends over at EA, Donna, you know, his friends and all those guys, those and they said there's a hidden boss in the New Order of Phoenix game. <laughs> if you get all these Barry Bots beans, you can uh-huh. duel Laura Mallory in the game. And she doesn't have a wand because she doesn't think it's right. So you just totally smoke her every time. <laughs> and it's really fun. You know, that's so sick and not even worth laughing at. But it's rather <laughs> hilarious, though, too. <laughs> <laughs> to imagine the Laura Mallory video game. It's just, it's just oh, terrible. terrible. You have like this Donkey Kong music come out of nowhere, like she just comes up from like the the chamber. I imagine her as a Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, actually. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. Sort of like that is one of the greatest of all like, like movies. Unavoidable. Yeah, I love that one. <laughs> yeah, seriously, <laughs> the unavoidable thing. You know, yeah. she just does not go away. Big slow, heavy oh. footsteps. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, you know, I'm coming. Watch out with a Harry <laughs> Potter book in hand. Oh, why me, Harry? What's that? <laughs> it's called Laura Mallory. <laughs> That's one. Bi- <laughs> no, he goes blimey. That's one big woman yeah. in the fourth movie. One big okay. Okay. Just <clears throat> oh, I just, you know, I just, I, I, I wish that God would, would grant her with some serenity. Mm-hmm. Honestly, mm-hmm. she needs to get over it. Everybody else sees the truth here, mm-hmm. and uh, you know. So, anyway, do we really need to talk about Joe being number two on the Forbes? No. I mean, it's just I hate Forbes. They always come up with these lists. They're endless. They're the same thing yes. over and over again. So annoying. Oh, I know. Joe's got some Joe's bones. rich. Surprise. Yeah. She's rich. Shock. Yay. Is it possible that, like, the most number one selling book author in, like, the history of the planet actually has a lot of money? I would have never thought that. Thanks, Forbes. Yeah. Thanks, Forbes, for letting us know. All right, well... I think it's time that we... Oh, okay, no. We have to let you know what's going to happen at the end of the show. A little bit different from usual. We have Ooh. our fan interview. Mm-hmm. Our canon conundrums this week is not as expected upon re- on religion because we wanted to wait mm-hmm. and make that a more worthwhile discussion. We'll have some more information about why that is in the canon conundrums this week, which is about why Voldemort went after Amelia Bones, Emmeline Vance... In, uh, Tony before, before, no. and Tony Mosley before book six, <laughs> <They're>, <laughs> it's 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 about why he targeted those specific people, and actually it turned up some pretty interesting yes. discussion. We have the but what we will be answer. talking about when we come back from the canon conundrums is the reaction from last week's show, because there was a theory submitted by reader uh, listener Angela in last week's show that Harry will be the one to tell Dumbledore what happened at, at Godric's Hollow because he'll go back in time and have to stop himself from from killing from stopping Voldemort from killing his parents. Yeah. It incited, I mean, the, the emails and the voicemails and the messages and the blog posts. We've been getting injunctions in the mail from those people saying, stop talking about this. <laughs> yeah. You're giving too much no, of my book away. No. We wanted to talk about some of your reaction and address some points, so we will do that after Canon Conundrums. Yes. Canon Conundrums. Canon Conundrums. 
All right, well, I, I can't wait anymore for this fan interview. I've been waiting for this for about four weeks. So let's push on to it. All right, see ya. In the fan corner, a one-on-one interview with a new lucky fan each week. Not me, not Hermione, you. Hi, everyone. This is Doris Herman, and with me today for our fan interview is Francisca Solar. Francisca is the author of a Harry Potter fan fiction called Harry Potter and the Decline of the High Elves. And after she wrote her fan fiction, it was seen by publishers of Random House, and she was offered a book deal. Her book, I'm going to mispronounce this, La Septima M., um, is out, and you can purchase it on Amazon.com. Hello, Francisca. How are you doing? Fine, thank you. Thanks for contacting me. Oh, it, it's uh, truly my pleasure, actually. Now, for all of our Spanish-speaking friends out there, could you please pronounce your book the right way? <laughs> it's La Septima M. Thank you very much. My <laughs> my Spanish is not nearly as good as it should be, obviously. <laughs> okay. I, uh, I found... Your story so fascinating because you, like thousands, you know, probably millions of fan fiction writers out there, you wrote a fan fiction and somebody noticed you and said, wow, this is great. What do you think that does to the world of fan fiction writers? I, I think of myself just, just a fan. I'm just a fan. I, like I said, I I am a fan with an insane, fascinating with words. That that that's a very very well description of me. Um, I've been writing fan fiction for ten years, so I th- this is not new for me. I published uh, the decline of the high elves three years ago, and I'm still receiving so many mails and. I feel flattered. I don't. I don't know how to take it. I'm, like I said, I'm. I I am feeling just like a fan, just another fan, as a millions out there, and I'm trying to understand why my fan fiction is so special. I never expected such a glowing response for for all, all fanfic readers around. I suppose I'm getting used to it. <laughs> It's, mm-hmm. it's, I'm really, I feel really flattered. Now, um, we talked a little bit before the interview about using fan fiction as sort of a springboard for young writers who are just getting started. Tell me, why do you think that's a good thing to do? What are the benefits to the, the beginning writer? Well, I, I owe it everything to the fan fiction world. It was my, my school of writing. I, I recommend it. It, with all my heart, I, I've been 10 years in this, and there's no other way that, that I can reach uh, the editorial world. I mean, um, fan fiction is the better place to, uh, to develop your, your, um, your fascination with, with letters. Letters were always my life, but I never, uh, I never wanted to, to show that to the world. I'm, I'm too shy for that. So, uh, internet was the perfect place to show my text. I, I always had readers, but never the number that I have now. When I started to write this fanfic of Harry Potter, I, I had no expectations. It was just another fanfiction like a millions. 
but I was trying to express all my theories about the saga and and all my complaints and all the thoughts that I had about the characters and about the plots and people seemed to understand that that I was doing a really serious work. I mean, I took fanfiction real serious because I think that that is a serious practice. I uh, I don't feel that fanfiction, I don't know, is a minor practice or or is a, I know of course it's an amateur practice, but I feel fanfiction it's the great place to start writing. I reach the editorial world uh, through it. So if I can do it, anyone can do it. Now, um the fanfiction that you wrote, Harry Potter and the Decline of the High Elves, was written after you read Order of the Phoenix. What brought about your desire to write this fanfiction? When I read uh, The Order of the Phoenix, I had so high expectations. Uh, this five book is so important in, in the saga because the fifth book it turned to be a transition between the Harry boy and the Harry adolescent or adult. It had to be like that, but I feel I feel that uh, this fifth book failed on that matter. I I felt that 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 fifth book uh, was I don't know childish. Um, Harry was Harry was so so childish, so hormonal, and um, I I wanted more. I feel really disappointed because. It is a huge book, almost 900 pages. I I wanted more, and when I finished to to read it, I feel empty. I I needed more, so I started to to think about my fanfiction intensely. Now, um, when you write fanfiction, you you mentioned earlier that in a way it was um, kind of your way to honor the writer as well. Yes, yes I I thought about fanfiction as a tribute. To, uh, to the original author, to the original product. You know, um, I love the Harry Potter saga. I am just fascinated with, with J.K. Rowling's work. So when, when I started to, to write uh, my fanfiction, my, my goal was to say the world, Harry Potter is great. I, I never thought that I was going to to appear to the exposure of the world, I, I'm. We fanfic writers, we we did, we do fanfiction as a tribute. So uh, we never expected glory for ourselves. Uh, I never expected that, um, and I'm still doing fanfiction like that. I am, like I said, I'm I'm too I'm too shy for for being um, I don't know um, a celebrity. <laughs> I. Uh, I've been writing about other characters, uh, about about other author characters on my life, and and I feel comfortable with that. Now that I'm that I'm developing my own characters, my own books, there's uh, completely another t- uh, another experience. But I think I'm liking it. I'm I'm really enjoying it. It's a completely different path to to make your own characters, to develop your own books. Um, it's really hard. Uh, it's not easy to to make uh, to make a book to do a book. So um, I am really really flattered with with all the good comments that that arrives to my email every day. Mm-hmm. Now let's go on and talk a little bit about your 
your novel. Uh, your novel is one of five, correct? Yes. And the first one is based on a true story. So yes. tell us a little bit about it. Okay. Um, well, it, it is based in a Chilean story. Um, in 2002, uh, 12 teenagers committed suicide in a southern town in Chile. Um, the case remains unsolved to this day. I was so interested in that that I traveled to this town and I uh, I talked to the people there and I and I meet the victims friends and family the atmosphere in this town uh, was so depressed so dark it reminds me uh, the towns of uh, Stephen King novels and um, that that was so interested that, that I I'm I started to to develop the um, this story, this the seventh M, and when the editorials call me and and want me to work with them, I I presented them a project of five books that each one uh, each one of of the of those uh, is based on a on a true unstop story. The first one, the seventh M, is uh, it is based in a Chilean story, but the other ones are based on cases that happens in in other other places in the world. This, the second book that that I that I'm writing in this very moment, uh, the second book, it, it took place in Colombia, for example. Now, in you've said in your books that you're using a paranormal ele element. Uh, yes. Exactly, how are you doing that? Well, I always love the paranormal phenomena. Um, I'm still a huge fan of the X Files, and um, I love the kind, the 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 way they 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 present that that topic. Uh, that's that's where that's what I I wanted to to do of all my life. And um, uh, when I'm writing about paranormal phenomena, I always thinking that I wanted I wanted the reader. The reader to think that this could be happening. I mean, I I always put a foot in reality. I like the paranormal phenomena with a view of reality too. Um, I I believe that paranormal phenomena is into normality too. Um, paranormal phenomena is in our reality, and we cannot deny it. So. Um, I took uh, some mysterious cases uh, and I turned it in a novel, but with a lot of um, links to uh, to reality, to to cases that really happens. And and for example, and in, in this novel, in in the seventh M, I talk about many cases that really happened in Chile and in the world. I talk about I don't know uh, the war in Iraq, and I talk about Bush, and I talk about uh, the president of Chile, and I talk about uh, the about what happens in Latin America. I mean, uh, I I took the paranormal phenomena, but I I like it to uh, to put into reality because, uh, like I said, I I want the reader to think that it could happen to to them. That's fascinating. Now, how are you going to feel a few years from now if someone is writing fan fiction with your work? Oh my God! So much people are uh, are saying <laughs> this to me. Um, 
Well, I'll be flattered, of course, but um, I think it will be fascinating because it is the circle of life. You know, I I started to write fan fiction from others' uh, characters, from other authors' characters, and and now now that I am a writer, uh, some kids are going to uh, write fan fiction about my book. I mean, uh, I don't know it. it, it it is uh, it is fascinating how how sounds it. I am I'm looking forward to it. I uh, I'll be I'll be so flattered. I um I'll be honored. Now, will you read it? Yes, of course. I think I think Rowling uh, actually read fan fiction. So why 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 I'm not? I mean, I love the fan fiction as a practice. I think it's a very good practice for all those who 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 want to to write, who want to be writers. So if anybody uh do uh, a fan fiction about my book. Of course, I'm going to read it uh, if I had time, and if and if uh, and if the author contact me. Of course, of course, of course, I'm going to read it. Now, La Septime Ime, uh, I'm going to get this right someday. <laughs> is currently in Spanish, yeah. and it's going to be translated into Polish and Portuguese. Is that correct? Yes, is that correct? Now, what about English? Have we? Do you have an editor yet? Are you looking for someone to put it in English for you? I'm looking for someone in this there moment. Um, after all this huge thing that that the BBC uh, turned on, um, I am looking for a, a, an English editorial uh, because I think the the English market is so huge and so important. I'm well. I, I'm looking for. It. I'm looking into it. Um, I already had well a Polish editorial and a Portuguese editorial, but uh, I think uh, my second book is better. It's even better than the Seven M. So I hope then that when when the English editorials uh, read this this second book, they they they're going to to offer me something. I'm I'm looking I'm looking into it. I'm 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 hoping that that an English editorial appears soon. Wonderful. Well, I know everybody looks forward to reading it. I uh, I have ordered it myself, and and I'm hoping to get it soon. Luckily, I can read a little bit of Spanish. <laughs> Thank you so much for uh, chatting with us today, Francisca. I know that fan fiction writers everywhere, probably right now, are cheering that. That here is a fan fiction writer who, fan fiction writing in and of itself is such a successful habit, and now a fan fiction writer gone to publish their own book. That's wonderful. Like I said before, um, if I can do it, anyone can do it. I am not that special. I am. I am just a fan, just a huge fan, and and what I did. Um, well, it's my passion. Writing is my passion, and I know that out there, there are so many really good uh, fanfic writers. Just, just take the chance. Live your dream. I, I am a living dream. You know, I, I, I am the example that that dreams come true. So, so again, if I can do it, anyone can do it. Great. Thank you. And on that note, if you'd like to purchase her book, it is available on Amazon. Com UK, and thank you so much for being with us tonight. Thank you, and everyone, thank you, and have a wonderful day.
And now it's time for Canon Conundrums. Listen in as our panel tries to figure out one specific issue from the Harry Potter canon. Who could possibly figure that out? And we're back with Canon Conundrums Ooh. 73. Here we are. Our good, our good friend Jason yeah. here has entered the PC studio. Yep. Just flew in. Oh, yeah. his arm's tired. Yeah, yep, yep. Right. Okay. Helicopter's still outside. And the, the guru mobile. Yeah. It's kind of like zoomed in. <laughs> yeah. Well, many of you have been looking forward to this canon conundrums. However, we have some good news and some bad news, guys. Aww. What do you want first? Bad news. The bad news to make the good news better. Well, the bad news is that awesome canon conundrums topic about religion and Harry Potter and cupcakes <laughs> will have to wait for another week. Because, here's the good news, we have managed to find a way to make that canon conundrums even cooler than it was going to mm-hmm. be. Yeah. But we just need a tiny bit more preparation time. Well, what happened is that we all sat around about to do this canon conundrum. We realized that we are the least qualified people. No, don't tell well, them that. I mean, we didn't want, it's, it's a matter of not no. wanting to disrespect the topic by not having enough authority on the topic. So, we... We well, can we announce it? Can we say what's <laughs> you better not? If, if better. we don't, if we don't think we're qualified to, com- to have the conversation, why do they think they're going to listen? Because to Because they don't look to us for religious matters; they look to us for theories and stuff. I That's sure different. do. Anyway, we wanted to make it just a little bit better, so we invited Connie Neal. Um, she's been writing books about religion and Harry Potter almost since Harry Potter came out. She will add so much to the conversation, and will make it such a better discussion that we're going to hold that topic until she can be with us which will be soon yes and we will be moderating that debate against in the other corner <laughs> oh, yeah no <laughs> don't i wish she'll be joining don't us I wish. we'd love to have miss mallory on that'd be interesting it would be fair it would fair you know she'd get her chance to say her piece and mm-hmm. we'd get Awkward. our chance to show her she's wrong and you know it'll be great yes anyway and I would go <laughs> after everything she said. Yeah. It would be Put a little sound effect. <laughs> 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 yes. <laughs> I really hope she's not listening <laughs> to this right now. In her, her decision as to whether to come on Potter. <laughs> yeah, like if she says, well, let me listen to one before I go on. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, well, it would be fair and good one. and adult. But um, No, really. We are the, the voice of the... Old the, people. Be- old people, <laughs> Mallory, so we're feel not, comfortable. We we consider us the we, elders. We're not the ones who've been prank calling you. Yeah. Okay. So, this, what what are we talking about this week? Oh, yeah, this so week. <laughs> well, Jason is being um, bandy this week. So, why don't you tell us what? Uh, oh, I am. Jason. Well, then I better bring my voice down here. That's very um, nice, actually. <laughs> almost accurate. Yeah. Why did Voldemort and the Death Eaters go after the particular people they did in Book Six? And which people are we talking about Ooh. here? Emmeline, or however you say that name, Vance. Emily and Vance. Amelia Bones. So who wants to give us the rundown on Amelia Bones from, from our trusty Harry Potter lexicon? Amelia Bones, auntie of Susan Bones, the only other random person to be sorted in the first film, <laughs> other than our leads. It has nothing to do with her being Christopher Columbus. So she's actually related to Absolutely Christopher Columbus. Absolutely nothing mm-hmm. to do with it. Amelia Bones is like his sister or something. Amelia Bones. Well, yeah, she was the head of the, uh, head of the law enforcement right. for the ministry. And she was also head of the Wizengamot. And she was also um, head of the people who were... Uh, 
prosecuting Harry during his little uh, trial at the ministry. Right. And number five. And she's got real short gray hair and a monocle. And she, you know, she looks like Colonel oh. Mustard. Yeah. <laughs> In the she looks like a knife. lot of weird looking people. Uh, All right. Well, yeah. let, let's talk but about why, what, what's, what's important that she was killed. Well, Tonk said that she was fair and honest and that she mm-hmm. was murdered very nastily by the Death Eaters in the first weeks uh, that Voldemort had officially returned between mm-hmm. five and six. Uh, Muggle newspapers I reported. She was killed what? From Voldemort. No, that's Emily Vance. Because she was hardcore. Oh. No, actually, oh, no, 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 Fudge, I'm sorry. Yeah, Fudge thinks that, that Voldemort killed her personally. Right. He thinks, yeah. but it's unconfirmed. So all we know is that it's. What does Fudge Death know? Because we heard this from Fudge is telling the Muggle Prime Minister this yeah. uh, as to, to oh, prove right. that, that Voldemort has returned and he's trying to warn him. And well, now remember, well, b- before we go on about that, let's talk about Emily Vance quickly. Um, she was a member of the Order of the Phoenix. She was part of the guard that took Harry from Fora Privet Drive to Grimald Place. She's described as stately looking with an emerald green shawl, also nastily murdered by Death Eaters in the first week of the war. Simil- they, they reported Aww. them at the same time as... Um, as Amelia, at least it was reported to mm-hmm. Fudge, uh, to the Muggle Prime Minister. Snape claimed to Bellatrix that he was the one who betrayed her, and the murder occurred near number 10 Downing Street, which is where the Prime Minister lives. Muggle Prime Minister is. Oh. So, but to go back to that Fudge believes the murder was carried out by Voldemort of Amelia Bones, we know that Sirius makes a comment in Book 5 that his brother wasn't important enough to be murdered by Voldemort. Right. So we know that to be murdered by Voldemort is also is almost a perverse sort of honor. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, but, but why do you think he would, you know, bother killing her? That's what intrigues me. Right. Was she well, like... That is the conundrum. A special target, or was, you know, was he trying to get anyone he could? In which case, why couldn't he get any more? Yeah, I mean, was there a certain reason they wanted to get her out of the way, or was it just like, oh, well, she's going to be one of the people who will fight against us, so we'll take her out if we can. Well, she was the head of the magical Department of Magical Law Enforcement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For what reason could he have to get rid of the Department of Magical Law Enforcement? Well, oh, to help yeah. instill fear and confusion, if you want to... Yeah. You know, if he's going to, I mean, Voldemort and his operates on a campaign of fear. So if he wants to cause, you know, confusion and disorganization, what way better way than to take the head out? You know, yeah. I mean, I mean, she's she's basically the police commissioner of, right. of wizards. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. if you kill the police commissioner, you know, right. you, you prove to whatever law enforcement body there is exactly. that there's nobody stronger than. That's a good point. Voldemort. Well, I mean, I think the yeah. the pattern here, what it looks like he's, you know, Voldemort is doing is. Is you know going after the the government straight away, and that's you know like the first wave of his little plan is to just destabilize them and to you know preemptively screw up any of their attempts at mobilizing and organizing against Voldemort. Right. I mean, it's a smart move. Well, speaking of that, I mean, my what I I'm interested that we don't know what exactly Emmeline Vance did. If the murder occurs near number yeah. 10 Downing why? Street... Why there? You know, and why is that a detail that's important to us right now? Was she a protector of the, minis- of the minister? Is there, yeah. some, is there some other function that we're going to learn I about mean, later? I think it was mentioned because it was significant <laughs> mm-hmm. that it was like sort of under the Muggle Prime Minister's nose, so to speak. But I think, uh, right. I mean, that's a very good question. Like, why was she there, you know? Yeah, that's a great point that maybe she's the one that was to help keep watch, you know? Because, well, what if she wasn't just a watcher, though? What if she was one of the unspeakables? 
Maybe that's why we don't know what so she I'm did. wondering if she like yeah. was on to some I don't know, this doesn't sound like Voldemort though. Like I was thinking maybe there was some infiltration from his side, like into the Muggle government. But that doesn't that's not really how he operates, I guess. Well, we know that there was you know, the junior uh what was that undersecretary or somebody had a bad reaction yeah. to the Imperius Curse. That's true, yeah. Nor- so they were trying to Shirley is his name, I believe. Uh, I don't remember. Yeah, no, I know what you're talking about now. So yeah, I guess Voldemort was trying to influence the government to do something anyway. So maybe she was investigating. And Kingsley gets assigned something to protect the dude, and or she knew so. Like maybe she had figured out something or found out something, and they're like, "Oh, get her before she gets back." Or well, Amelia Bones is the one that they had found. And uh, the thing that was the Muggle authorities found with the doors locked from the inside. Well, here's Amelia Bones. And that was the mysterious death there. With all that and then losing Amelia Bones. Losing who? This is the Muggle Prime Minister. And then Fudge says, Amelia Bones, head of the Department of Magical Law Enforcement, we think he who must not be maimed may have murdered her in person because she was a very gifted witch and all the evidence was that she put up a real fight. But that murder was in the newspapers, said the Prime Minister, our newspapers and media. It said she was just a middle-aged woman who had lived alone. It was a nasty killing, wasn't it? It had It's had a rather lot of publicity. Fudge said, killed in a room that was locked from the inside, wasn't she? We, on the other hand, know exactly who did it, etc. Halloween Vance. Snape says in, in chapter two, I am not the secret keeper. I cannot speak the name of the place, meaning Grimald Place. You understand how the enchantment works. I think the Dark Lord is satisfied that it, with the information I have passed him it led as you perhaps have guessed to the recent capture and murder of emily vance and it certainly helped dispose of sirius black now capture wait a second capture yeah and then they returned her to be to near 10 downing street yeah this is fishy could they have captured her to get information out of her and then returned her once they had why would they they from her her brain i mean well if she was, the, if she was the the watcher over the prime minister or whatever, maybe they deliberately put her back there as a signal to Dumbledore mm. that look what we can do. You know, it's a strategic placing of the body. It's like a symbol. You know, like in any mysteries or crime shows you watch, that's a you know symbolic thing sometimes. So maybe maybe the that show, was a key. show of power. Uh-huh. And then there was Emmeline Vance. Maybe you, perhaps you didn't hear about that one. Oh, yes, I did, said the Prime Minister. It happened just around the corner from here, as a matter of fact. The papers had a field day with it. Breakdown of law and order in the Prime Minister's backyard. Uh-huh. That's what I was saying. I thought that it was mentioned because, you know, sort of they slip it in, it. like, as if it was important because, you know, because the Muggle Prime Minister thought it was important, but it might actually be a clue. And then capture and murder. And if, if Snape's information was important, that means that they were trying to get her for a while. She had to have been an unspeakable. Mm. Yeah. They had well, no, to what do you gotten... think of this, though? What do you think of this? Emily Vance is the Prime Minister as Mrs. Fig is to Harry. Like, like watching out for him, protecting him without him knowing? They put these these wizards there without them knowing as protection. It makes sense for them to be living close by. Well, but that's kind of Yeah, I was going to say, when did Shacklebolt start? Right. Maybe he started after. Well, Shacklebolt there started after this death. You think? Well, yes. Well, actually, he no, started there I, I after so. the dude with the faulty Imperius curse, which happened at around the same time. The new secretary in your outer office. And he says, I'm not getting rid of Kingsley Shacklebolt if that's what you're suggesting. He's highly efficient. Gets through twice the work the rest of them, and he goes, that's because he's a wizard. <laughs> Zoinks. A highly trained aura. Now, wait a moment. You can't just put your people in my office. I thought you were happy with Shacklebolt, said Scrimger coldly. I am, that's to say. 
<laughs> I love it. I love I love the bumbling minister, I have to say. Yeah. Um, good stuff. But it doesn't say that that's a direct reaction to Herbert Chorley. He just says that he's the new secretary and then mentions Herbert Chorley separately, so. Well, I mean, it kind of, doesn't that make sense, though? If the one secretary leaves and now we suddenly have a new one, isn't that logical to think that he's a replacement? It does, but I don't know that I'm relying on it. Okay. Well, I I mean, weren't we talking about whether or not it had to do with, you know, Vance and her death? If the response, if Kingsley was the response to that, or was the response to the right. secretary, Imperius curse, but it all happens around the same time, which may have, they may have both influenced the decision to put Kingsley there. Mm-hmm. So what we're trying to figure out is if whether Emmeline Vance was the prime minister's Arabella fig. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like basically if the, her being there was no coincidence, if she was, you know, there on some mission. But then again... She was captured. It sounds like she was pushed for information, mm-hmm. killed in Astley. How do we know that she was captured at 10 Downing Street right. and not just placed there? Well, yeah, that's or a good We don't even know. Yeah. I guess we don't even know if that was even her home to begin with. And here's something I want to you know? know. I mean, we obviously can't get into a whole what's Snape's deal discussion, but, you know, mm-hmm. is oh, he telling not? the truth? And if so, like, you know, I don't know what you guys think of him because I wouldn't think that you know, is if he is like working for Dumbledore, like, or does Dumbledore know that like Snape supposedly turned in Emmeline? You know, if that's true, and you know, is that like acceptable casualties, or like that doesn't seem like something that Dumbledore would accept if you know to keep Snape's cover, he had to let him turn in someone else, or you know, well, that's maybe what a obviously lot of people are talking about right now. Yeah, and and the lounge is that you know the possibility of you know. You know, first it was Dumbledore not dead, and now it's, you know, Emily Vance not dead, Amelia Bones not dead. That, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, dot com. <laughs> that, these are all, that these are all staged um, deaths um, to protect but it's these like, people. Yeah. And I have seen that too, and that's for interesting. Ollivander and all that stuff. Which is a neat thought. But, and but why would you want him? Yeah. But why are these two? What makes these guys... And it seems like, I mean, the way they describe protection. it, it doesn't sound like something that could have been faked so easily if like the muggles were aware of you know the supposed murder yeah. <laughs> like they must have found her well, or yeah, i mean that's that's the question of it right now yeah. is that they find the bodies but then i immediately think of of Azkaban, where you know didn't they didn't they how, how did that work did they polyjuice or transform um oh, right. the crouch mother in there polyjuice yeah Polyjuice. His dying mother. So it's yeah. po- it's it's possible to leave a fake body. We've seen it That's before true. in these books. Yeah. But you know, did they polyjuice some other random dead person? <laughs> then that then it's a stretch. Yeah. It would make more sense if they could transfigure it. But I don't know if you can transfigure well, something they into a person. Crouch's mother. I thought that they just didn't, the Dementors can't see. They just go by feelings. And so oh, that's pro- Crouch knew that No, she mother, was. He's. You know. I remember distinctly something about her like faithfully taking the potion until like she drew her last till the end. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So I guess you, if you die like that, you stay like that. Maybe no, it was just so, so that like if people came like to you know how how like, like fudge, fudge comes or whoever. Yeah. But you know then the yeah. Dementors just. Had the body sent out without really checking. Yeah. 
Do the Dementors? Well, they, I, I, can't, I can't picture Dementors doing like janitorial things like picking up bodies <laughs> yeah. and putting them in a bag well, and sending it to where they I mean, have to be sent. Honestly, book four is like an entire canon conundrum, like a million canon conundrum song. Yeah, it is. <laughs> There's so yeah. many little weirdnesses about that book. But. Yeah. Yeah. But okay, so okay, I don't know that too. I really qu- quite understand why you would want to to fake her death unless if she's so special yeah. or she possesses a special yeah. skill well what if it was uh, what, that re- like a were they both hufflepuffs see now this is this is my <laughs> thank you john this is where i was going with this because someone else that was murdered was hannah abbott's mother now mm. we have no proof that amelia bones was a hufflepuff and we also have no proof that hannah abbott's mother was a hufflepuff but both of those people they seem very Hufflepuff. relations, yes. <laughs> and, Susan and Bones was say, a puff. Yeah, well, just say what if one of those is actually the heir of Hufflepuff uh, and Voldemort's cup? And they speak Badger tongue. Mean, well, or what if it's gone missing? Right. I know that sounds completely Maybe. absurd, but what if it's gone missing and this was a attempt to get information? That would be. And I mm-hmm. still wonder about Zachariah Smith, though. Yeah. Hepsiba. About whether he's because. How could she do the Evans a, thing by accident right. and then then again do Smith by accident? But Smith, right. she could get away with Smith. I know. Yeah, but he's a Hufflepuff. Yeah, he's sort of this guy that gets mentioned now and then when who he doesn't the really other need Smith? to be. Smith. Who oh, that's to, right. Hepzibah Smith. Had to cough, you know? Who was the descendant? Mm-hmm. It was all flirting with yeah. Uh, <coughs> Riddle. Yeah. I just, I just think that... You know, I mean, from oh, one from really? one from one perspective, you can just say, "Well, Dumbledore ca- or Voldemort carefully targeted these people because he wanted to instill his his launch his campaign of fear and st- you know cause disruption mm-hmm. and panic and whatever." And then he just chose a- other random people like Greyback when he went out and just, just oh, randomly yeah. slaughtered people, or whatever. But that's um, just like gross. how you keep Greyback happy. You know? Well, yeah, but it also adds to the yeah, fear and panic, true. and you know, but. But what if it's all part of a, a plan, though, just be, to to cover up a specific reason, not just? I yeah, don't know. maybe there's. I, I definitely support. agree. I mean, you know, and the other thing is, if if it's the the main reason I could think of, if there was a fake death, and I don't want to harp on this too long, but you know, like why this person would have been why Emily Vance, then, um, you know, maybe it, it wasn't like Voldemort was looking specifically for her, but. Snape came to him and said, hey, I can get you information on this Order member. And he's like, okay, let's capture her and kill her then. And, you know, somehow Snape, I don't know, they tricked it so that she wasn't actually dead and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, if it's like something where I don't know if, you know, if the Death Eaters are after specific people or if, you know, they're going after people who, you know, if they get information or, you know, some other opportunity to attack them. But yeah, this Hufflepuff I mean, thing th- is <laughs> kind of intriguing. <laughs> I think it's yeah. one thing for Snape to be, you know, trying to look as though he's on Voldemort's team mm-hmm. to Voldemort. And, you know, it's, a, it's another thing for him to go out of his way to just be killing random Order members. Yeah. And yeah. whether or not he had the opportunity here to, you know, give up this information or to, you know, commit any of this himself... A lot of people think it's more likely he was just kind of bluffing and taking credit for yeah. that that murder just so he can say that he did and, you know, uh, to get, you know, boldy points. Right. To, um, but that's a bold thing to say to Bellatrix, 
who has a known relationship with Voldemort, because she can easily find hmm. that out. Not, not known, really, yeah. but it's clear that they have some sort of special bond, you know? Right. Warm, fuzzy bond. <laughs> How do you say that to Bellatrix, who may very well tomorrow reconcile with Voldemort and and find right. out that Snape was lying and then in, invert his whole story? Mm. I mean, somebody in the, in the forum said, Snape taking partial... I apologize, I don't have this person's name in front of me. It's just part of all our research snape taking partial credit for sirius's death was snape being opportunistic snape tends not to use outright lies he's more of the insinuating redirecting misinformation kind of liar but with vance snape takes full credit for passing the information i don't doubt this so either he's voldy's man and she's dead or he was given safe information to pass and her death was staged by the order but now i'm thinking i wonder why they would have captured her i mean if if snape you know, what What could they learn from her that, you know, assuming that Snape is passing on all kinds of information that, I mean, he's kind of Dumbledore, right. trusts him, you know, what are they going to get out of Emily and Vance unless it's, you know, something that's specific to her or, you know, to maybe her job or to her heritage, like Sue was saying, or, you know. Right. Well, what's Voldemort's endgame in the fifth and sixth books? He wanted to displace the, the muggle, I mean, he wanted to displace the prime yeah. minister. Right. Right. So maybe that was one more block towards the prime minister is getting rid yeah. of Vance and Bones. Yeah. Um, he wanted, well, actually, he wanted to displace both seats of authority, the Muggle prime and minister the, and the, and the wizarding. And it seems like Bones was, was a, a roadblock to the, the wizarding prime mm-hmm. minister and Vance was a roadblock to the Muggle prime minister. So yeah. those two might be related. Well, yes. And plus it wasn't, she was, um, Amelia Bones was partial towards, not partial, but she was friendly with um, Dumbledore. So maybe that was another impetus for, for Voldemort, knowing it would hurt him if she's dead, you know? Oh. Mm. I don't know. It's really interesting. Okay. Have we decided anything? <laughs> no. <laughs> this is a hard I think one. we've got some good theories here. I mean, we can't ever decide anything until we have... You know, the big old Deathly Hollows on our laps. <laughs> John. Well, we could we could we could make advancements at least. I feel sort of still lost on all of this. Yeah. I feel like I, it's just I, too I, small I'm a part really, of the books. I'm really liking yeah. the the idea that these people Well, I mean, let's do final thoughts here, because I think we have to ask the question whether or not they're even dead. Which I think is probably an easy question. And okay. well the original question that we're answering is what well, why did Voldemort target them specifically? Or did he? Yeah. So we should stick to you know, or did he? Who goes first? Well, final thoughts. I'll try. I think I'm just going to be boring and say I don't. I, I don't think that he targeted them specifically. They may have run a counter to some of his plans, but he was just, you know, trying to sort of create chaos and and bring down um, the Muggle Ministry. You know, start sowing terror in the, the Muggle minds of Muggles and wizards alike, and. These were sort of grisly murders that would affect both sides. And so it was sort of opportunistic. Well, I'm going to say that for in, the, in, Emmeline, in Amelia Bones' case, she was a last bastion of integrity combined with power at the ministry. Nobody had her ethics and, and parody and nobody was strong enough to back that up. So he wanted her out of the way and could only do it himself. And I think in the case of Emmeline Vance, she was close to 
I think she was close to the ministry, the Muggle ministry, and he wanted her her out of the way to get closer to authority. Mm. Yeah, I think they're dead. <laughs> right. I'm going to go out on a limb here. This is just a theory that I am a little, you know, fond of, even though I don't know how much water it holds, is the people who theorize that Scrimgeour could be Voldemort's man. Which, I mean, I, I know that Joe has talked about how there are different kinds of evil in the world, and it's not all just, you know, you know, the good guys are bad guys, there's gray areas, and there's people who are bad for different reasons, and kind of like they read a skeeter and all that nonsense. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, if it's Voldemort's intention down the road to not so much topple the ministry entirely to the ground, but to take it over, then obviously the... One of the first things he's got to do is to knock off the people who would absolutely, by by no means, have anything to do with that plan. And those would be those people, like you said, with the integrity right. and you know, you know, the wise, you know, ones that that have been there the longest. And knocking them mm-hmm. off is the first step in that plan. And going with what you said, if I mean, I I would think that one of the final straws that got Fudge out of there and paved the way for someone like Scrimgeour was. You know, the death of someone like Amelia Bones. Sure. Yeah. He's undermining authority at every step. And he's taking Dumbledore's support network away from him as well. Well, I think all of these are are valid reasons. And I I am inclined to to agree with someone. However, I think that they were not killed only for for what position they held in relating to um, government authority, whether it be muggle or magical, but it also has to do with their certain knowledge of Hufflepuff and the cup. I think it all boils down to the horcruxes with Voldemort, and I think it had something to do with those horcruxes. Horcruxes of Hufflepuff. That's what I think. All right. Yeah. All right, then. That's our canon yeah, conundrums. Not for... a bad canon conundrums. Who could no, possibly figure that out? We do say so ourselves. You could possibly figure that out. Um, So, are we returning next week with the um, super cool? I don't want to promise. We're trying. trying. I don't want to. I don't want to promise the holy canon conundrums, but (laughs) let's not promise it again. But uh, do continue to send in your theories and questions and thoughts about that topic. And um, if we find some good stuff in the old inboxes. Perhaps it will make it to the show itself and uh, help us with our uh, interview slash discussion with um, Connie Neal. Okay, guys. Well, thanks, Jason. Ain't no problem. We're, we're going to push on through the wrap-up, I suppose. All right. I will see you guys later. Bye, Jason. Later. Bye. Welcome to the end of Pottercast 73. Oh, it's the end. Oh, it's the end. Um... We have a lot to discuss, so we should get right into it. Oh, gosh. As soon as 72 came out last week, the post started appearing. You guys have been very anxious about the theory presented in last week's show. The theory was that Voldemort will go travel back in time, whether using a time turner or however. You, there must be another way. Mm-hmm. Um, a DeLorean. No. Uh, like a DeLorean, right. <laughs> Which, interesting story. Um, when I went to the first set visit and... We were sitting around with the, with with the trio. Dan Radcliffe was talking about Back to the Future, and he couldn't come up with with the word with the DeLorean. Yeah. And he was like twelve, you know. Well, so for yeah. him to even know Back to the Future, no. And somebody said the DeLorean. He was like, oh, "That's it. That's the DeLorean." I don't know. It was just a very funny that it, he was twelve and he knew what the DeLorean was. Anyway, that's cool. Um, yeah, he's 
Well, we haven't seen anyway. the rest of that uh, Fort Anglia could get pimped out with <laughs> Right, maybe it's, maybe it's got a flux capacitor. So anyway, the, the theory was that he would go back in time to October 31st, 1981, and be the person at D- Godric's Hollow, be the person to tell Dumbledore what happened, which which explains why Dumbledore knows that Harry is going to be fine. He would have to stop himself from stopping Voldemort from killing his parents, which, could, which as Sue said, could also be the reason that Snape hates him so much, right. because he's, he didn't save his mother. Um, and having to watch him all those years, knowing what would happen, you know? Um... And, the, I mean, it's just exploded. You guys have had a, a million conversations, so we've got some some great feedback for you here. Sue, why don't you read our first? Well, <clears throat> Potter Brett says, Well, my head now officially hates Pottercast for making it hurt so badly. <laughs> That's the kind of stuff I have to say. I've loved going around mm-hmm. seeing. I love seeing the theories explode right. from an episode of, of Potter. And I, I love that, that head-hurting, right. crazy... Um, theorizing space that you can sometimes get into when, when there's a good theory. But you know, but this is interesting because other people were like, you were talking about Snape and, and like one divine mom says, what if seeing the future, Harry, there is a reason Snape came over to Dumbledore's side because Snape didn't turn double agent until after Godric's Hollow, right? Well, what if he turned because he knew he would be found out eventually? Uh, after all, I think Snape is always working the angle to his advantage. That's interesting. What if the reason that Dumbledore trusts Snape is because something happens to make Harry trust Snape and he tells this to Dumbledore of the past. Yeah. Saying, no, 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 Snape's, you, you have to, you have to trust him. Right. And what if this was all, what if they knew some of what would happen, what would be happening? He knew that he would have to die at this point, he, you know. But then something very interesting, um, our scribby editor, Pam, yeah. who goes by Connie Lee, mm-hmm. said on this discussion on Divine Mom's Live Journal, which, sorry, we've been spying on you, um, said, Dumbledore has already kept things from Harry, and to have him turn out to have kept even more things, he just doesn't like that. It would make Dumbledore a bit dishonest. He says that he doesn't know what really happened that night and never tells any of it to Harry at all, even when he's supposed to be telling him everything at the end of Order of the Phoenix. Well, I don't think this means that he necessarily, that Harry necessarily has to tell him everything, but it might be such a situation where he's only told specific, a couple of, a couple of details but not the actual truth of what happened in the hollow that night. Yeah. But I don't think that, that you know, I mean, but that would make Dumbledore dishonest, like she says. And I... I, I don't know. I think I think he could he could have as much information. Plus, plus he would be dishonest with... I mean, I'm, I'm a big proponent of if you make Dumbledore dishonest, it doesn't work. Right. But he could be dishonest with the reason. I mean, if you tell Harry that he's going to go back in time, you're screwing with everything True. again. Yeah. You know, it's... How do you... He already knows that it's going to happen because it already did happen. The same way Harry knew that the Patronus was going to work because it already worked. Right, exactly. In three. Exactly. Well, you know? And then maybe if that was the case, then Joe probably would not have written the line, the big dramatic, I'm going to tell you everything line. Because if she didn't say that, then he could have just told part of it. But uh. to, to have him say, I'm going to sit down, you know, have a drop, I'm going to tell you everything. You know, what, what, Dumbledore isn't, you know, a liar. But Dumbledore didn't tell him how he found out what happened to him. No, he did not. At, you know, so he clearly didn't tell him everything. Not everything. No. And what if he did tell, say to him, you're going to go back in the past. And, you know, why doesn't Harry say, okay, well, I'll just do that right. Why can't I just do that right now? 
Yeah. What would stop Harry from doing it? Exactly. He would want mm-hmm. to, and, and but things have to fall out sequentially as they're meant to be. So yeah. he couldn't. He so Dumbledore couldn't tell him. So. I don't know. What? Here's the other thought I had. Here is the other thought. What if you know how the only memory that Harry has is of James saying it's him? Take take Harry and run. Right. What if Harry warned his parents? What if Harry said this is this has to happen this way, but this is what's going to happen? Oh my God, that's just devastating. I don't know. I mean, can you imagine? Oh, I can't. Then again, well, Jost did say that Lily had no idea that her sacrifice would work the way it did. Right. Right. <sighs> my brain's going to explode. Well, that's not saying that his parents had to actually recognize that it was him. Could have mm-hmm. been like a "Who are you?" moment. Why are you warning us? What's going on? Because mm-hmm. it always sounded like they knew he was coming. They knew he was looking for them, but it sounded like they weren't so surprised that he had broken through the the Fidelius charm. Yeah. Well, I read I read a fan fiction a while ago. The premise was that Harry went back in time like weeks before Halloween nights and. You know, like befriended his parents as like this other person, and you know when the Halloween came, like he was, you know, he he had all his his plans of warning them, and then something happened, and then history repeated itself, and it was like this Darth Vader no moment, and um, it was like you can't escape time the way it's played out. You can only try, but it's not going to happen. That kind of thing. Pretty much. I mean, I think that that Harry making that choice not to would be horrible and devastating but would be sort of where he's yeah where he's like understanding and accepting fate and accepting that there are things bigger than his personal sacrifice you know and that would yeah. be a sacrifice like crazy you know I, I mean I, don't, I just don't know how likely it is just because it goes, goes against a lot of the big Joe themes it's like the finality of death and you know action reaction cause and effect and you can't go back and change the past when bad things happen you have to move on and find other ways to uh well, but we're saying he wouldn't that's, yeah that's we're exactly saying right. he wouldn't change it right we're not saying he would that he wouldn't i mean he that would the, that he would even attempt to but no but that would be a way no, that's the him. thing he would have to yeah. right sorry no sure. no that's sorry, right sure. i would just I, we're exactly saying, thinking the same thing he would have to i mean this is a perfect way for him to learn to understand that I mean, no matter what his powers are, he, there are things he just simply can't change. Uh, yeah, but but to have you know her hero of the story, for that to be something that he would attempt to do in the in the last book, where you'd think that he would have learned that lesson already. Well, what if it's no? We're saying that he's not going to attempt it, but but that it'll be a big internal. It would be a big internal challenge for him mm-hmm. to to stop himself from attempting it. Yeah, you know. But what if he must go back there regardless, though? It's not a question if he wants to, but he has to because something to do with the Horcruxes and destroying Voldemort, you know? Yeah. Maybe, you know? you know? I mean, there could be other reasons why he's there. I mean, not just because he wants to. He figures out that he can. It's just, but why, you know? And then somebody also made the point that what if he just extracts the memory from himself? Yeah, that pensive. Because he was a baby. Yeah, he was there. Sure. You know? He has the memory, and as Joe explained... Yeah. The pensive takes what's there, not what you necessarily can recall. Yes, I think that pensive is going to play a lot of point. I think that's how we'll hear more from Mr. Dumbledore, too. I just think that. Why hasn't Dumbledore thought to take the memory from Harry? Dumbledore has to know exactly what happened. He has oh, to have yeah. taken it from, like, you know? Probably did all Harry was sleeping. 
Wouldn't you just okay. love to be in Dumbledore's pensive, though, just for all of his other non big crucial things just to see what his life I, I don't know I thought those are things I hope that she does if yeah. she ever writes that you know encyclopedia just like little details it take her so long to write something like that but I hope probably she... come out in 10 years I'll wait for it I want I'll it. be glad that it does but yeah it's like she's just living her life and just casually writing things down as she remembers them and turns into a book one day well she has them all down though that's the thing she's so meticulous she has these she speaks yeah. often about those you know those volumes of notebooks she has you know Okay. But well, it was awesome. seriously a, a mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. We have one other theory that I wanted to mention. Okay. Um, from the Pottercast blog, Mrs. Demimsey Porpington says, yes. I almost choked on my 100% bran flakes when I heard the theory about Harry time-traveling back to Godric's Hollow. I have preached this to my husband all along. My theory states that Dumbledore knew that either the po- Potters or the Longbottoms would have to make the ultimate sacrifice to save their precious baby boys. Mm-hmm. He probably knew that Moldy <laughs> would choose the Potters because, well, he is always right. Anywho, I think James gave the invisibility cloak to Dumbledore so Harry would be able to be there because he knew Harry would survive. Harry then told Dumbledore what happened, and he told Hagrid to get baby Harry. Maybe Hagrid even saw the older Harry while he was there. I don't think Hagrid could have kept that silent, actually. If the house in Godric's Hollow was almost destroyed, it could have been because the older Harry put up a fight there, too, after his parents had died. Maybe some lingering Death Eaters were there, too. Mm -hmm. It is the only theory that makes sense to my feeble mind, anyway. I think that it is absolutely incorrect to assume that time-turners only go backwards in time, just because that is the only reason for which Hermione used it. And you can't tell me that some Mundungus type doesn't have an extra one sitting around. Remember those whirling and spinning things in the headmaster's office? Could one be a time-turner? One never knows. Ah! God, my brain. Yeah, I, I mean, I long believe that, that, that all the time turners are not destroyed. I mean, even though they were destroyed, that doesn't mean that they're. Yeah, I, I it'd be awfully convenient. Yeah. Like all the Somebody's time turners in all the world are just sitting, you know, in a basement right. in London. But what she's done by by smashing so many of them is making it imperative that they find one from a specific place or specific person. Right. They can't just go to the ministry and get one. Well, right, I, I will know? say the fact that she drew attention to the fact that they were destroyed lends to the idea that maybe we'll be seeing one in use again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's just I do so like much. the idea that it ties in with the invisibility cloak. That would what explain if, uh, a lot, yeah. What if Harry had a prank calling time phone that he could call the past and warn <laughs> his past self? Okay, well we've sort of done a whole nother kind of conundrums yeah. here, a whole nother mailbag or whatever here. So let's let's move on. Keep them coming, guys. We'll we'll keep talking about good theories as long as they're good theories and the, the ideas are fresh. So absolutely, keep talking about it, and we will we'll feature it here. Um, yeah. Stay fresh. Keep no, it real. We had a blog challenge last week. Oh, we did. yes, we did. We asked people to go to their bookstores and find out if they were giving out misinformation about the release of. About Deathly Hallows. Some of you have sent us some really funny stories. First of all, there's a video. There's a YouTube video. We'll link to that in the show notes, which is hilarious. There's, there's a then, second YouTube video. There is? Hmm. About what? Huh. Well, hmm. albeit slightly off topic. Well, that's next. But also, our listener, Julie, mm-hmm. she, <laughs> she went to her store. Yay. It's uh, her nearby store. Picked a clerk at random. She said, excuse me, hi there. I was just wondering, have you found out the release date for the seventh Harry Potter book yet? They gave her a blank stare and said, there's a Harry Potter book coming out. She said she got her fired. <laughs> oh, no. Why would you work at a- I hope she didn't really get her fired. Yeah. It was funny. funny. Oh, so funny. And I have to read this next one because I think it's my favorite one ever. It's from uh, listener Sigrid. She said... 
After school, I went to town with the printed post from Leaky. I'd highlighted the part where the Bloomsbury person said that they hadn't gotten the manuscript yet, and so I started going to bookstores. The first I went to answered almost correctly. I don't know, but I've heard it will be coming out this summer. The man in the second store said, I don't know. I've heard the English one will come out July 13th. I was annoyed. So I went on. Uh In the next one, the girl checked with her computer and didn't find any date. I was happy about that, got some food, and went to the second to last one. The woman in there called someone else who said, I've heard the English one's coming out in June, but I don't know about the normal. Norwegian. Uh, that's <laughs> and, <important>. since, <laughs> and since I didn't feel like telling the woman who was standing there that she was wrong, I went on. The fifth and last bookstore was the one I think would be Melissa's favorite. Not only do they have a coffee machine with free coffee and tea for their customers, but they also gave the right answer. I'll probably DH there. Buy it there, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Wow. Norwegian. Love it. Global, baby. Norwegian. Norwegians. Well, I don't know when the real one's coming out, but do you want to know when the Norwegian co- Like, what? <laughs> random? Oh, speaking ah. of random, there's a lot of random dates out there. Like, August 9th, even one, someone said. <laughs> yeah, what's, what, what did Verminia say about that, Sue? I'm going to start thinking that it's going to be on my birthday. Just because the date is as good as any other date, I think. Okay, but Sue, what, what did Verminia say? She goes, there's, there's, I went, there's another one. She goes, I, I went to a bookstore right after listening to the challenge, and I asked the guy working there when the book was going to be released. He replied that the book would be released on August 9th, 2007. I cleared it up for him by telling him is wrong. I even gave him a leak to Linky, a leaky to go check it out. But this is the worst part. I saw him throw out the paper with the address to leak in the garbage as soon as I walked away. <laughs> so I went over to where he was standing and told him, you know what, believe me or not, but I'll definitely be back here on August 9th and we'll talk then. <laughs> I love it. Awesome. I love it. I love the tood. Raminia, I love the tood. I think I want to make Raminia be the winner. That's awesome. I love the tood. Yeah. <laughs> She's just like, well, we'll, we'll see on August 9th if you're right. Right. <laughs> I love it. Congratulations, girl. That's awesome. Mind your tood. Yeah. Contact us. We'll we'll do the whole Mm -hmm. prize thing. It's awesome. (laughs) Seventeen. We do have one librarian who chimed in. Awesome librarian. Gotta love it. A librarian who on her blog said that uh, we need that she's really frustrated about the librarians who are giving out the wrong information. I'd rather give an I don't know and a web address to a customer yeah. than, an answer, than an answer that isn't true. So, Pottercast people, this is a blog challenge to take seriously. Make sure your local librarians and booksellers aren't giving out misinformation. Right. We agree. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And while you're at it, it's rolling like falling. <laughs> it is. But don't tell her lawyers. Yeah. Um, anyway, that, that's, that was our blog challenge for this week. We've brought back the blog challenge. There's a link on Pottercast.com explaining it all, but basically, you talk about Pottercast on your blog, you use our information and, and pictures and flash players or whatever on your blog, every week we will go search the blogs, it could be on a specific theme like last week, it could be for nothing. Mm-hmm. If we like what you've done, if we like what you've said, you could win something from the thecaldronshop.com, you could win, I don't know, a t-shirt, if we Life have any left. Dobby. Life Size Dobby. you know, you could win stuff so um blog about us talk about us tell tell your friends and we will find you on a similar vein if you put if you if you friend us on myspace and you make us one of your top friends and leave us a message letting letting us know that you have you can get a shout out so sue why don't you take care of those this week no okay we got messages from Melissa, kurt angelica renora and we've heard from amanda lisa dana hannah kathy lucy holly horkry and warrior of reason and I want to say one actual thank too to James because James, because of MySpace, sent us a great tip this week too. So thank you to James too. So y'all rock. Go MySpace. Love it. Yay. Yay. 
Well, we're almost running out of things to talk about this week, but um, we did get an interesting video also. <laughs> we got a stupendous video, <laughs> as this is week three of John's World Famous Impersonation Month of uh, the lovely Luna Long uh, Lovegood. And, um, you did not just do that. <laughs> In the very first podcast John was ever on, he called Luna Luna Longbottom. Mm-hmm. Well, Joe shot That's a nice down. little throwback. But no, I actually, I can happily report I've since improved my impression. I've gotten only about a dozen and a half <laughs> constructive criticisms this week. Aw. And a very important one. Oh. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Which one? Well... Somebody gave you some very good advice, didn't she? Um, yes. Apparently, not not only is she um, um, not completely annoyed at how rubbish I am at it, but she gave me some (laughs) tips on it herself. Uh, The lovely Ivana Lynch says that um, we both do it pretty well, but just just so I can be a little closer to hers. Let me get this one. (laughs) The cold thestrals. That's not different at all from last week's. It, last week was the contestants. No, the end we gotta lower your voice a little bit. The end. I, I the was end very surprised. I was very surprised listening to it that it was lower than I thought it was. Yeah. The contestants. Okay. Well, we have a YouTube video which pasted <laughs> her saying it and John saying it over one another, and yes. it's really hilarious. We'll, we'll, we'll link to it in the in in, in the show notes. Yes, but yeah, so. Ivana's been a great sport. She says she's finding it funny. So. Um, also, we got an email that I want to mention. Aww. <laughs> it's, most, it's my favorite podcast email ever. John, do you want to do the honors? From Tony? From Keely. Oh. Hello. I enjoy listening to podcasts, but lately I have been really getting sick of Melissa's attitude towards John. Yes, John is often off topic and can make stupid, st- stupid jokes. <laughs> But Melissa is so rude and mean to him, I can hardly stand it. It makes yeah. it hard to listen to the show. I'm sure she doesn't mean it to be mean, and they are probably good friends. But on the show, she comes across as annoyed, angry, and rude. She constantly shuts down whatever John is trying to say and refuses to enjoy any humor he may add to the show. I would find the show much more enjoyable if everyone would laugh and get along. Sue's attitude towards John acceptance of his somewhat annoying jokes <laughs> and enjoyment of his personality is something that Melissa should consider adopting. Sincerely, a concerned listener. Whose email Named says her name Keely. is Keely. Dude. Sue is okay. my best friend, I gotta yeah. say. Yeah, John, I hate you. Do you know that? <laughs> you. <laughs> if you guys heard the stuff that doesn't get in the show... We've actually taken to muting Melissa's mic during my jokes. If, if I gave in to to John's jokes, the show would never move anywhere. Yes. I I take the hit. Well, I don't laugh. You know, I, so that we can move on. On a on a similar note, we got a very you know sad email from Tony Maudsley, who didn't understand why Melissa didn't think his jokes were funny, <laughs> and he didn't know of something something oh. wrong that he did. And I assured him, no, there's nothing you did, Tony. Don't worry about it. Melissa just doesn't laugh at things that are funny. And then he thought that was better. He was 
See, see, okay. one of us has to be. I laugh constantly all the time at John and at Melissa and everybody. All I do is laugh. So we need someone to kind of like move <laughs> things along. So this is. A- and sometimes I, I'm very sorry, Keely, but sometimes the things that John says are, you know, pushing it. <laughs> or, we have a standing you know. order with the editors to remove most of the bad jokes. They don't do very well at it, apparently. They've been purposely <laughs> letting some slide just because. No. Just for fun. Are you kidding? You guys have no idea how good friends we all are. Keely, seriously. We are, this is a tight-knit group over here. But you'll thank me. One day, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going... That's what we're going to do our April Fool's show or something. I'm not going to stop John from any of his jokes. I'm going to let the conversation go, and the show will be four hours long, well, and I it will be, be the most pointless thing. Once. And then we'll start getting emails going, you guys have to move the show along. You're so... You know, you know. we'll get I'll, emails to the opposite. I'll be, I'll be the, the straight Melissa type. And, okay. uh, and and uh, Melissa can be Sue, and then Sue can yes. be me. Oh, no, no, Sue can be no, Sue, Sue's gonna do, do the John. Oh, but see, I can laugh. I don't tell good jokes. I just like to laugh. So I mean, if I can do a show without laughing, that would be a miracle right there. That'd be like, whoa. <laughs> April one. April oh, I wouldn't like that <laughs> show. I I need Sue to to laugh and enjoy herself. Yeah, I do. Okay, people. <laughs> well, it's been fun. Is it the end? It's been the end for a while. It's been a long, long wrap-up. Oh gosh! I mean, these these shows here, these these in the seventies here, have been brilliant shows. But gosh, the seventy-three is probably the best seventy-three of the week so far. <laughs> well, this week's blog challenge: continue telling, continue spreading the word, continue telling the bookstores, continue making the signs. Mikey made a sign that he held up in a Barnes and Noble that I'm going to put online shortly. Continue spreading the good word that we have no idea when Book 7 is coming out. And that as soon as there's an announcement, it will be in every news media in the world. So you really have nothing to worry about. Um, Just go! You're wasting time! Don't use any spray paint. Especially if you're at Borders. Yeah, don't do that. Especially if you're at Borders. (laughs) Okay, people. Bye. Have a good week, everyone. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. W is free. Oh, and about time, too. We've missed it. I confess myself disappointed. Now, if you don't mind, I'm going to bed. Great, Scott. No wonder. Look at the time. We've been here nearly four hours. Spooky how the time flies when one's having fun. (laughs) 